Father, we just ask you to guide us through this time of worship by studying your word, Lord, that you'd speak to us, guide us, direct us. We pray, Jesus, in your love and in your power, in your mercy, in your strength, in our hope in you. Amen. Hey, thanks for the prayers about the lips. So if I talk a little weird, it's still healing up, but we're doing, we're doing well. Um, grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one, there's, there's one with extremely small print in the chairs behind you. And uh, it'll be a good workout for your eyes. Or, or open up on an app. I just really want you to see this. Go to John. If you're just joining us, I want you to know what, what we typically do is we're work, working through a book of the Bible. Right now, we're going through the book of John. And we've been talking for an extended period of time about a story in John 4. And uh, it's become known as the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman. Goes by different names, but we've been, we've been parked there and uh, talking through that. So today, we're going to pick up on verse 27. And what's been happening is there's a woman, in summary, okay, there's a woman who comes to a well midday, very uncommon, to get to, to fetch water is the old saying, right, went to go fetch water, I don't know if we, people say that or if, if that's a thing anymore, but uh, she came to get water midday, Jesus was traveling with his disciples, took an uncommon direction for a devout Jew teacher went into Samaria, middle of the day, sent his, his disciples into town to look for food and gather whatever they wanted, sat down by Jacob's well, and here's this lady who happens up. They have this conversation. He tells her, uh, you know, about her life in such a way that unless he was someone really special, a prophet, she called him, that, that he wouldn't know. And, and then she likened him to this this prophecy of a rescuer or a savior, the anointed one. The word is Messiah. And, what, and this is kind of where we pick up. There's this conversation. He's had this great effect on her. Before we jump into that, let me tell you the purpose of this sermon. Let's just get it out of the way up front. We'll tie this into it. I didn't make this up. This is what John himself wrote. Later on, right, in this book, and the, what we call John 20, verse 31, he said, the reason that he's writing this is that you may believe that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's what I want for me, for my family, my family, my church family. It sounds simple. We believe him. If we believe him in such a way that we follow him, if we believe him in such a way that we walk with him, go where he leads us, the promise is that we would live. Is it simple? Any of you trying to do that? How hard is it? Easy to get distracted. Now, 
every year leading up to Christmas, which is the, the point in time in order to match pagan festivals that we've chosen to celebrate Jesus's birthday, okay? Every year we talk about his, his coming, the arrival, the preparation, the advent, and we designate this last week. It's often we celebrate love. And so I want you to remember one thing, wherever you are today, this is where we want to get to, that you would believe that Jesus is the one who could rescue you, that can save you, and that he is the son of God, so he has the power to do it. And that by believing and following him, you would actually begin to live like never before. That's, that's my prayer. But in order to do this, we're going to have to accept what's, what's commonly celebrated this, this week of Advent is love. And the love that God has is not like the love that you and I have. As a matter of fact, what was written about it is that, that God loved us so much that even while we were still against him, that he came, Jesus, and he died for me while I was still his enemy. Why, I would be the one that would kill him. Why, I would be the one that would spit in his face. That's like tremendous hope. And that's real love. Not, not like the love I offer that can be so conditional. But isn't that huge? So check out Jesus. He's coming to this woman who clearly has got stuff going on in her life. It's not great. It's not great. She's by herself gaining water. He's told her. Verse 27 says this. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ, the rescuer, the Messiah, the savior? They went to town. They went out of the town and were coming to him. So the people came out to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Like, what's, what's this food? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Then Jesus said, do you not say there are yet four months then come the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Here's what's happening in this section of scripture. So that's the story. We'll, we'll go back. What's happening is we see great evidence and proof that Jesus is one, the Messiah. The one that they were waiting for. And that's cool. That's really cool, Connor, that he was the Messiah then. But check out, here's what I want to tell you. He is still the one that rescues, right? Like, if I need him now, if you need him now, he's still the one. That comes to rescue. Isn't that good? Does anyone here need a rescue? Like I do. 
See, circumstances happen. We forget about that sometimes because God is so good, we don't want to talk here about the circumstances. But as soon as you leave, you're burdened by the circumstance. We've got to deal with everything if we're to follow Jesus. The circumstances, good and bad, the blessings of God, the goodness of life, and the hardships of life. Right? Sickness. Poverty, wealth, celebration, mourning. You can't control it. And then the second thing that's happening here is evidence ever so subtly that he is the son of God. That he is not just a simple human like you and I, but, but supernatural, even though he's taking human form, that Jesus is God. So not only does he, is he sent to rescue you, he's got every ability to do so. Amen. Right? Amen. Right? He totally can. So let's go back. I want to look at this a, new, a different way now. Let's go back at those. Verse 27. It begins and it says, just then his disciples came back. Okay. Randy, I looked at the Greek here. Nothing that helpful. Really, it just means like, okay, right then the disciples came back. But here's what's profound about it. What would have happened if they came a little bit earlier? The conversation doesn't finish or even happen, maybe. Right? Yeah. What if they arrive later? Yeah, they wouldn't even, it would have made the book. I don't know. Perfect timing. Yeah, like they, they got to hear him proclaim that he was the Messiah. And she got to go through the whole process. If you were here before, if not, go check it out. But you can see kind of the ups and downs of the conversation. But in the end, she's like, you know me like no one else. How could you know me? Like, I sense that you're a prophet, but what's going on here? And then he just, he just took it further. And, and you, you know that the power of God was like, wow. Right? If they would have came earlier, do you see the timing of God? Oh, don't you love it and hate it? Can we be honest? Oh, man. I'm selfish. So, like, when things work in my favor, Corey, I love it. When they don't, I'm bitter about it. You too? Well, I'm working on it. You know, I don't know. So, so Jesus, God, in control. God's in control. Oh, I don't like the way you said that. Well, whatever. Okay, get your, get your brainiacness out of your head. Let's be honest with you. God is in control. We humble ourselves. We exalt him. Okay? We humble ourselves. We trust him. There's an there's a intellectual churchy word, sovereign, that he reigns over everything. Okay? Don't forget that God created everything through Jesus, even the things that do evil. And when he knows it's the right time, he will make it happen. I should just stop there because I, how can you, can we even believe that? Once you did, your life would change. If you believed that God's timing was perfect, the bitterness would float away. Sure, there'd be sadness. Sure, there might be a a, a longing for when it's going to happen. But God is in control and he's reigning over everything. Once again. We love it when he's patient with us. 
we're not so happy when he's patient with the other people that we wish he'd get to the point with, right? Now, so he, he reigns over a big thing. He reigns over time, right? Because God's outside of time. Now I just melted your brain and mine. We don't even know what that means. And, and everything that we've come up with to try to explain God in the confines of time just divides Christians and creates theological systems that honestly do no good, in my opinion. Right? He is God and we are not. He reigns over time. He reigns over life, death. Oh, she died too young. No, she died the right day. Well, he seemed like he lived too long. No, he lived the perfect amount of time. Well, if I would have known this when I was in high school, I would have, no, you weren't supposed to know it till right now. Right? Oh, if I didn't go through that, you're supposed to go through that. God's going to use it. Quit whining. Right? And I'm talking to myself, right? I'm talking, Will, quit whining, okay? Please understand, I'm the king hypocrite with the microphone. All the hypocrites are welcome. Thank you for gathering around the table with me. We say one thing and do another, okay? Can we be honest about it and, and try to encourage one another ourselves and ask God to help us out of that, okay? But he, he reigns over all the things, all the things that it's confusing because you have needs, you have wants, and then you have what feels like a need or a felt need in the middle. And that line is always trying to be defined. Does that make sense? Okay. Like water. Science says what? How many days? Like about three days. Depending on the person, you don't have water, you're going to die. Uh, food, somewhere between like 35 and 60 Okay, those are actual needs. Um, other things like, oh, I need, I need uh, friendship. Well, it's kind of a felt need. It's going to hurt you if you don't get it. I, I, don't, I can't be alone. It's felt need. Want a million dollars, right? A full head of hair so I can grow out a cool mullet. You know, I don't, I don't know, right? So those are wants, but God is in control. Jesus is in control of all of those things. That's good news, right? Okay, so if that's true, how do I respond? What can we do with our hands and feet, our minds, our mouth? What can we do about that? Help me out. What do we respond if that's true, if God's in control? Relax. Relax. Wow, that's hard to do, huh? Calm down. Yeah, similar. Yeah, you said, yeah. There's some good answers over here. I could tell what? Serve. Why would we serve? I think you're right, but I want you to keep saying, keep talking. Serve because we're called to do that, right? And then I would also say with that, I totally agree with you, you can. You can totally serve, right? Because if God's in control, what could anyone else do to us? Well, they could kill you. Good, I'm done. Go to be with him, right? Or they could say a bad name to me. Ooh, whatever, right? They could shoot me and then I could do public speaking and tell people about the goodness of God, right? I mean, they could do... Right? Like, this is the life of a, of a really surrendered Christian. Yeah. Like, dear brothers and sisters who've been through a lot have said to me, man, once I went through that, like, I feel like, what could they do now? And you're like, that's a good point. So, before we go forward, this might be all you can chew on today. Okay? This might be what you need to write down, and you can start elevator music in your head for the rest of what I'm saying. Maybe you need to deal with this. Maybe you're struggling with the fact that God is in control. 
and that he's good. And you need to start leaning into that. Okay? But if not, we're going to keep going. So then, verse 28, we go back to that. Check this out. So the woman left her water jar. I love it. I love it because what happened had to be so impactful that the whole reason she came to get water, she just left the jar behind. She's like, this is great. What? What is it? How important was water? Right? That's an actual need. She left her water jar. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's like, well, I'll be back for it. But I don't know. Why wouldn't she take it back and leave it in town? Yeah, that could be. Yeah, right? Exactly. That's a good point. She said she could go faster without it. That's the excitement. Like, wow, okay, I got some hope. And then it says she went into the town and she said to the people. I don't know who the people are. But apparently these people weren't close enough to join her at the well. So understand, we're going to make some assumptions here because we don't know everything about this woman. And apparently here's the message she told them. Come and see the man who told me all that I ever did. Now that can sound like a very judgmental thing, but that's not what happened because a judgmental Jesus would not have caused this lady to to leave her water and run to town. Jesus who knew her, who knew her circumstance, who knew her responses, good and bad, knew her situation and loved her through it. And proved his deity. That got her excited. And then she told these people. Then the people went out of the town and were coming to see Jesus. So check this out. Okay, these people, they wouldn't let her come with them in the morning to get water. Okay? Stop here a second. Think about that. Anyone invite Susie to come? No, we don't invite her for water. Then the lady comes into town. Ah, I met the Messiah, right? Like... What happened that they would follow her, this same woman, back into the wilderness to go see a crazy man claiming to be the Messiah? Like, if you use your logical mind, like, I wouldn't join her at the well, but now I'm gonna, I met this man. Crazy bearded man with feathered hair, petting a lamb. But that's not how he looked. He told me he was the son of God, right? And they're like, well, that sounds good. We won't go for water, but we'll come for the crazy man. This is going to be great. Let's go. No, but they all went with her. Like, what are we missing here? Yeah, Randy? Yeah. Randy said the way that she shared what she went through. Had to be something with that. I mean, everything, right? Mannerisms, the spirit about her, her eyes. Yeah, that's a really good thought. Like that, she was a different woman. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I love that Jesus didn't minister to any Yes. Yes. So what she said was, she loves the way that Jesus doesn't minister to any two people exactly the same way. 
He knows them, right? He, like her, she knew every, he knew everything about me, everything I did. He knows them so well. He knows you and I so well that he ministers to us in such a, a unique, I mean, we don't have parallels, but such a unique way, just what we need, right? And so it's just like, right? And isn't that so great that, so then when we in turn, and I don't mean to trash church, right? Because I'm a pastor of a church. You're like, how do you do that? So what do you do? You create some kind of formula. So in the end, we try to give memorized speeches or whatever, but that's not the whole point. The whole point is why do you have hope? What, what has God done in your life? What's changing? One thing that I like, Josh and I were talking about this, is, is I like to add this piece too. If she went to town and she shared with them, hey, this man knew everything I'd already done, the humility of that. Because she was fessing up to her sin. She was honest about her shortcoming. She was honest about her need. And how often do we as people offer that? I mean, that will get somebody, right? Like, wow, like, oh man, he, I know you didn't want to go to the well with me because of my life, whatever that is. But I'm telling you, he knew everything about me. He knew who I was. He knew my circumstance. And, the, and you should have seen it. And I, I, I don't imagine that's done with dry eyes. There's probably tears and emotion. And then you got that pesky Holy Spirit, right, at play. Right? Because the Holy Spirit, we can see him throughout the scripture. He's not living in all the believers at that point in time, but he's at work. And so something spiritual is happening, too, where, that, where they're seeing this lady in a different way. Like, wow, okay. Let's go, to, let's go into the wilderness. So meanwhile, the disciples show up, and they're urging him. I love this. Rabbi, let's eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> Don't you love it? Because that's us, right? It's like, oh, man, but that's cool and all, Jesus, but I need to eat. But then he said to them, he did this with the woman before, like, oh, man, I got water. You will never have to drink again. Sweet. Where do we get that? Like, which well is that out of? I want that in my canister. He's like, you don't get it. It has nothing to do with water, right? Like, and now they're like, I want some food. And then Jesus said this, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they're like, what? Who gave him Twinkies? You know, right? Like what's, did someone give him food and you didn't share it with me? Did you cut it in 10 pieces instead of the 12 we need to make this happen? Um, isn't that great? I can only imagine what Jesus was thinking. He's like, yeah, I know. You don't get it yet. But maybe someday Will will get it when he reads it a couple thousand years from now. So they go to the actual, the literal, the real, like, food? Yeah. Like bread? Fish? You got some of that? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So here's a question I have for you. What does food accomplish? A couple questions here, and they could be answered in kind of the same answer. What does food accomplish? What does it do? And what is it for? Keeps you full. To make you full, right? To get rid of your hunger? Mm-hmm. Okay. Energy. That's a very good one. Yeah. Nourish your body. Yeah, so it gives you strength, right? It nourishes you, keeps you alive. Pleasure. Yes, you can enjoy food. It gives you pleasure. Anything else? Yeah, right? Like celebration. You know, 
sustains you, gives you energy. Makes you gain weight sometimes. Can make you gain weight, right? Yeah. <laughs> Makes you get under tall if you keep eating too much of it. Um, gives you a reason to get together. It can unite, right, and bring people together. Yeah. So if, if, is Jesus talking about literal food when he does the will of his father? Like, I do this, and then it's magic cheeseburgers out of the sky. No. He, he has created some kind of metaphor here saying, when I do this, it gives a similar effect that food gives me. Nourishment. Right? Nourishment. All those things. Have you ever, have you ever, let me think of the right way to say this. Let me just say, have you ever been in line with what God's having you do? When you're done, you're like, that was totally God leading me to do that. Okay, now try to remember that feeling and that experience. When you did that, at the end, did you get some of those similar feelings? Did you have, did it, did it kind of sustain you? Because even if you don't eat for like 30 days, you're going to live. So if you don't actually have bread that day, it's not the end of your life necessarily. So did it sustain you? Does, does God ever give you energy when you don't think you have it? Anyone who's been a mom, has he, has he given you the energy not to sleep at all with a sick kid or a dad, right? Or someone who's nursing, someone who's sick. You can do tremendous things. Uh, joy, fellowship, strength, like all those things can come from God. And so what Jesus keeps doing is saying, you guys keep going to the literal physical things in this world to help you keep going. But I'm, I'm telling you, I have a source that's even greater. So then he goes, do you not say yet there are yet four months, then comes the harvest, right? He comes back to an actual thing. The seasons are changing. Like you could see actual harvest of our food, our physical food is still four months out. But look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The harvest of this, the harvest, the opportunity to follow God is right in front of you. And guess what? Already there's people who are reaping and receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What? Unless you're an FFA, I don't think you even really care about this. But, but what happens is, what happens is you, uh, there's this idea that there's this investment in something before you reap its benefit. And so sometimes you're in a mode of investing in something that you don't see its benefit. Right? Like anyone who has a retirement account this year, if you have a long-term retirement strategy and you put money into it, you weren't happy about your year-end returns, for sure, because the market turned. Your hope is that long-term, you're going to reap some benefit from investing your money. It's the same thing, right? You plant, some, you plant seeds in the ground. You, you aren't eating the first day. There's weeding and watering and waiting. Okay, what's the point of that? Well... Let me ask you this. Why might the sower and the, and the reaper rejoice together? Why would the one who reaps, who gets the benefit of it, and the one who sows, the one who plants it, why would they rejoice together? What's one of the reasons why? 
The work is finished. The fruit. Yeah, there's fruit in both processes. What is it? Same goal. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? They both get to eat of it. Yeah. So it's a different way of thinking about it. Because I'm taking this right now. I'm blowing it way up into a much bigger picture here. But what I want to show to you, why, why we can take this out of farming, right, agriculture, and growth into real life is a lot of things that you do right now, if you're not aware that you're benefiting from them right now, you might feel like there is no benefit to me doing this right now. Contrary to popular belief, a couple sit-ups today will not give you six-pack abs. Right? It would take a long time to do that. But if you never start doing sit-ups, good luck. Right? Dieting today won't help you lose 40 pounds today. But good luck ever losing 40 pounds if you don't watch what you eat today. So there's a transformation of the mind that says, because, right? Because God rules over timing, we, we have to learn and transform our minds to be satisfied with what's happening in this moment. And one of the key ways I would say to do that is, is uh, the Bible talks a lot about, Brandy was talking, me and Brandy were talking about this too just this week, how the blindness. If you don't believe in God, the Bible tells us, the scriptures tell us that, that there's a blindness. You just don't see certain things. And there's a supernatural reason for that. Sometimes the enemy's blinding. Sometimes God blinds. Sometimes you're not educated, so you don't look at it that way. But what can happen is often our prayer needs to be like, I don't see what's going on. So when you're in a season of sowing, instead of reaping, you need to be transformed in your way of thinking. And it's hard because God is the God over timing. And so like Peter was trying to tell early believers this. He said, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Okay, let's take that piece here. You ever done any gardening or farming? Anyone? Okay. You put a seed in the ground. You just don't know what's going to happen. Right? So there's waiting. Okay. If you haven't done gardening or farming in life... Is there some kind of need, want, or felt need that you've just been longing to see met? Does that make sense the way I'm saying that? Is there something that you've just been wanting for a long time, hoping for, feeling like you need, and it's just still not happening? In those situations, how do you feel? What is that? Impatient. Impatient. Yeah. What else? Discouraged. Not willing. What's that? Not willing. Not willing? I don't know. What's that? Uh, anyone else? Angry ever? You ever feel frustrated? Like, oh man, God, what? Why? Why? It seems like a basic thing that I want or need or felt need, but it's not happening. This, what is it? Will he do it for me? Well, what kind of things do we, how do we respond then when we get into those places? What do we do? Pout? Oh, I'm famous for that one, yeah. Someone else? 
try to make things happen. That's a, that's a famous one too. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say? Close up. Yeah. Why do you think we do that? I mean, we're getting off track, but I love it. Why do we close up? What, what are we thinking? So, hey, here's what's cool thing. You guys, you guys kind of label something here. So one, one thing is like, there's this sort of like, oh, feeling, energy, emotion, right? And then you have the whole, whether you like it or not, please know this. Most of the evil done in the world and the good done in the world is done through people's hands as influenced by good light or darkness, okay? So then you, oh, what are you going to do, right? One, what we are saying is pouting. It's, an, it's like, ugh, like the energy comes out in a pout. Like, oh, you're just negative. You're bitter. You're, you complain. Or you shut down. Yeah, that's the other piece too. We'll get to that. But, but you do that. And what ends up happening is I'll tell you, a lot of people look at you. And the whole point of, of the Christian uh, witness and influence is people are like, what's awesome about you? I want to be awesome too, right? And you're like, it's Jesus, not me. Okay, what happens when you're just like negative and pouty and bitter? Does anyone say, you're awful. What's, why are you so awful? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. Yay. Do you see that response? Or, or you go in, all that energy, you stuff it in and you start, it eats you from the inside. The other thing that we do is we, we, we try to do the things, make it happen for ourselves. We become driven. We keep moving. We try to get more money. How much money is enough money? A little more, okay? We try to get uh, approval. How much approval is enough approval? Right? Uh, how much, how much, you try to, you try to uh, escape your pain through substances. How many days of escaping your pain is enough? Keep going another day. How about sex? How much, how much is enough sex? More, right? Like, so everything is more. We try to do, or then we lash out. We get addictive personalities. We get angry because we're frustrated. You kind of see the picture being painted here? What, what Peter's trying to say is, I don't want to dismiss your needs, your wants, and your felt needs. But please understand, God is over time. He's in control. He knew just when the woman would be there at the well. He knew her, knew what she needed, and met her at perfectly the right time. Why didn't God come after husband number three or number four? He came at the right time. So Peter's writing to the believers, God is over timing. So the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but that we would all change our minds, change the directions of our life, repent, and come his way. Do you see it? Do you, I mean, do you see what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be reminding ourselves and each other, like, I know, Elliot, oh man, I want that to happen right now. But God, is, God didn't fall asleep, man. He's not, he's not slow. His timing is perfect. But you're not alone. If you go back to Genesis, the thing that started this whole shenanigans was this. The serpent, right? Which was Satan came into the garden. He's like, Eve, did God say you couldn't eat all this fruit? She's like, well, no. He said, if I eat of this tree, I'll certainly die. And he goes, well, 
Genesis 3, verse 4. He's like, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see that little lie there? God's holding out on you. Jackie, God's holding out on you. And then she looked, and, she, and then it says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, also, desire, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Do you see? He told the lie. She looked, and she goes, you know what? I think he's right. If Adam, right, and this is the passive male, if he was there to say, listen, God is good and he loves us and his timing is perfect. If, if he wants, if this is fruit for us, he will tell us when we can eat it. Or, we or if we can, yeah. Back to the Lord, right, because now Jesus is on the throne in control. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. If some understand slowness. So you're, you're not alone in this. It's been the same game since the first people. Jesus had food for us that we know nothing about. And he has water that if we drink it, we'll thirst no more. Here's what I think it means. This, this, this man, like this scripture is just like memorized in my head so much that I think I don't understand it. I'm so familiar, it becomes numb, but so powerful. And I think the more I live, Randy, the more I keep coming back to this. And I think, man, if I could actually, if I could get even a sliver of this truth in me, like not just in my thoughts, but like in me, it would just change everything. The ESV version says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This isn't the point of the sermon, but what's the kingdom of God? Let's give some practical examples. What is that? How do you understand it? Yeah. Wherever we are. Wherever we are, the opportunity to influence those around us. Yeah. Right? Because the kingdom has a king. The, the king rules over that kingdom. So everywhere that God rules, which is everywhere. So anytime the reality of that comes to the front, that's the kingdom. It's all around you all the time, and you're it as well. Anytime we go to that first, it says then everything else, all those needs, some of the felt needs and some of the wants will be met at the appropriate time. The New Living Translation, which has been kind of fun to look at sometimes, says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. I love that because clearly you still want water and food so you don't die. Clearly you don't want to be alone so you don't feel lonely. Clearly you don't want to be cold because that's uncomfortable or too hot. Clearly you want to be loved and you want comfort and joy. Clearly you want that, but above all else, would you submit yourself to what God is up to, which is the kingdom? Would you submit yourself first to what God is up to? And live righteously. That's so important because we can't say, God, why aren't you changing my life? And then we don't do what he asks us to do. Right? 
I don't, I don't get it, Randy, right? Like, nothing's changing. Well, are you changing at all? No, I'm doing exactly the same thing as always. And you're like, yeah. It won't. So we seek him first. And because of that, we live his way. And then what we're going to find is we have everything that we need. What does that look like? You guys ever done this on accident on a day or maybe on purpose? Did you ever trip into one of these days? Yes. You were like, oh man, that happened. I lived the scripture. That ever happened to you? What's it like? No, I think it would feel good. So I don't think that's right. Um, oh, the tripping. Um, what is it? So as soon as you submit your, your thoughts and your behaviors to God, then you find yourself stepping into the kingdom. What's it? Yeah. What's it like? What's the experience like? Peace and joy. What were you going to say? True peace. What happens when you struggle for the thing that you want? (laughs) It's never satisfying. Like our whole world, right? Not not to get off on a tangent, is all about um, chasing substitutes. Right? Do you see that? Like everything, like I really need love, but if I can't get it, I'll have followers or I'll have subordinates. I'll be rich. They'll like me because I'm rich. They'll like me because I look a certain way. They'll, They'll like me because I have things. And do they really like you? Do they really love you? substitutes. Oh, I really want affection. Okay, well, you can buy that. Well, that's not really affection. I really, I really feel like I need sleep. Well, take a pill. And that will, is it really that restful? Everything is a substitute. So back around, okay, this is, this is a lot. You guys, you guys ready to absorb the back end of this here? Okay, bringing this back around. The point of John, this day and every day, one of the big points of this is that you and I would believe more and more, right? Go deeper into this truth that Jesus is the only one who can rescue us. Okay? The biggest factor isn't where you came from. Anyone excited that the biggest factor of being saved by Jesus isn't where you came from? Right? Then there's the other half who feel like they came from a fortunate place. Uh, it's not dependent on how well you've done with what you've been given. And anyone else feel glad about that, right? Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't depend on how you look or smell, right? Okay? It doesn't depend on how thin or tall or short you are. It doesn't depend on where you were born. Jesus loved us all so much that he came. And he humbled himself. Not to be a king with tons of riches and fame, but to spend his, the entirety of his life serving these other people, and in the end, they all ran away from him when they killed him. And his funeral wasn't huge. As a matter of fact, the people who gathered were a very small group afterwards. 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the rescue. But, but believing, guys, is more than saying, I think it's true in my head. The, the rescuer is like, like, I'm just, I'm falling into it, right? Like, I know he's going to catch me. And so this Christmas, I think we can be grateful, but what we can do is that Jesus, that remembrance that Jesus, and he's not a baby anymore, and he's not dead, he's alive, and he's in control. It says he's on the throne, and he's ruling everything. The reason the meteors haven't hit in the earth, that's him. The reason it spins at just the right angle, that's him. Right? The waves, the tides, the wind, the moon, the sun, the reason it hasn't burnt out, that's him. The breath in your lungs, that's him. All the good things come down from him because he loves you, and it's not contingent on you doing anything about it. Oh, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. So what? What do we do about that? Wait for him to give it to us. How should we respond? What if you gave the invitation instead of me? What is it? What's the invitation from what you've heard? Maybe. What do we do? Maybe they'll pass it out. Okay, no, probably not that. Uh, Somebody else? Love? What about love? His love? What else? What's the so what about this? Isn't this cool? Like Jesus is so much in control. Like you and I don't think that. We think going to get water is us. And he showed us it's not. The exact moment she went to the well, the exact moment Jesus went to the well, the exact moment that his guys came back, God was in all of that. So you got to know like when you go to Safeway, it's not always an accident that God is in so much Power and authority. I know, oh, well, you're, go- you're exaggerating. No, right? Like, no. Anyone else had those moments where you're like, if I would have left three minutes earlier, I would have ran into this. If I wasn't there at this exact time, if I didn't go to the coffee house, coffee house stories again. If I didn't go to the coffee house, I wouldn't see her come in and then have that conversation. Whoa, God, like, what's the invitation? What do we do? What's our response? Trust them. Yeah, it's just like, uh. What if we just didn't fight? What if we just didn't receive? Open up and receive them. Like, I'm convinced that's what that lady did when she went back. No more excuses. No more blaming, no more anger. Like, I, I, I met him. The one we've been waiting for. Maybe I could tell you that. Man, I met him, guys. Keep meeting him. Like, even when I try to ignore him, even when I get pouty, even when I try to do it myself, even when I shut down, even when I lash out, he's good. He didn't just give me water and food. It's given me like a lot of the things I even wanted and things I didn't know I wanted that I needed. So that's what I'd ask you to do. Like before you tell the world, tell yourself.
before you tell the world, tell the people around you about this guy who is here to rescue you unconditionally. And if you're, and, but Will, you're waiting, I know, but his timing is perfect. Timing is perfect. So I'm going to invite the praise team back up. I just want to pray as they're coming up. And uh, we'll, just, we'll just kind of pray and meditate on this thought. Lord, thank you for writing this down. Because I'll tell you what, I have a very short memory. That's right, we do. Which is probably why I have to study this each week, because I don't remember. That's right. So Lord, we just, we're, we're here, and we... And even though we're together, we're, we're here to support one another, Lord. But I pray that your Holy Spirit, who binds us all together, who unites us all, one Spirit, one God, one Savior, Jesus, that we'd come together around this one celebration, that you love us so much, that people waited for thousands of years for you to come the first time, and you did. And now we're waiting for you to come back, and you will. Lord, but I know it's more than that. You're not just going to come back. You're here already, Holy Spirit. You are here in your opening eyes and changing hearts and blessing and correcting. So, Lord, I pray in this time that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, each one of us, each man and woman here, about the goodness of God. And if we're struggling with it right now, can we just be honest just to sit with you here and just say, I'm struggling, and and leave it at that? I speak this truth over all the people, Lord, that you are not slow to act. So anything desire that's unmet, any wish that's been wished, any prayer that's been offered that they don't see, know that you are perfect in your timing perfect in your decisions, perfect in your power and your mercy. So we just take this time to sit and pray with our Father and with our Lord Jesus.